Our sponsor for the podcast, Ahrefs, has an awesome set of tools that have become an industry standard for just about every SEO out there. For instance, if you're not getting any real significant search traffic, Ahrefs has tools that can help you find topics worth creating pages or content on. You can easily see the estimated search volumes and gauge traffic potential with their keyword explorer tool, and that can help you create content that would drive more search traffic. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Search Engine Journal Show. I am your host, Brent Satoris, and today we are joined by Jeff Atkinson, founder and CEO of Huckabye, and we're going to be talking about dynamic rendering, everything you need to know about what it is, whether you should use it or not, and how it can help your digital marketing efforts. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Jeff, great to have you on the show. Thanks, Brent. It's great to be here. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, one of those really interesting conversations that uh, we're going to talk about today, and it really comes down to to dynamic rendering, right? It, it's a very, very interesting topic for me because I think that this is one of those things that like really high-level, hardcore SEOs have been you know, kind of knee deep in for, for five, six years. I mean, for some time now, right? Um, but it's also one of those things where when you bring it up, a lot of people don't get it. They don't know what it is. They don't understand the point. And so I think this is a really valuable conversation to have, especially in this time period right now with so much changing um, technologically wise with Google, um, kind of the landscape as a whole and AI and a lot of the learning elements. I think it's it's really um, an interesting discussion. So I wanted to kind of start it off a little bit by asking you, you know, what is dynamic rendering and, 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 and is it the same as pre-render? How is it different? You know, kind of give us a breakdown of what exactly this is we're talking about. Yeah, so it is pre-render. Um, Huckabye has a, has a dynamic rendering product as well that's solely based on SEO. But in my opinion, actually, dynamic rendering is probably the biggest change Google's made in maybe 10 years. I mean, for them to actually offer up, you can crawl, you know, we'll crawl something that's different than what the user experience is. Now, content and data all need to match up, but that's a big change for them, right? I mean, for years, they were like, you have to have, you know, the user experience be the same thing. So, and, for, and for context, just real quick for context, I mean, anything that was different previously was considered cloaking, right? right. And so even mm-hmm. Google has come out and been very clear that pre-render um, or, or dynamic rendering as a whole, right? Any of these kind of like terms that you're used to using for this technology, um, dynamic rendering is not uh, cloaking as long as, like you said, they keep the information close. Correct. Yeah. So dynamic rendering, it's actually a pretty straightforward concept. It, it started with, you know, the difference between a mobile device and a desktop. It's All it means is that a, a URL will render differently or dynamically based on what calls it. So if you call, you know, a web page from your mobile device, you're going to get one experience. If you call one from your desktop, you're going to get a slightly different one. Their big change was they said, well, now you can actually give a version for us. 
And really that's around, the reason for that is around why, you know, the amount of sort of JavaScript and front end dynamic technologies that have made it difficult for them to crawl and understand a site. Um, they basically said, you know, here you go, here's a way for us to keep it simple, give us a simplified version, and we'll be able to crawl and index that much more efficiently than, you know, what the user is experiencing. They don't care about stuff like chat boxes and so on. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a big shift for them and one that, you know, I think a lot of SEOs are trying to take advantage of. And but if we were, we're to scale that back a little bit, that, if, we, if we were to talk about this a little more granular, like what exactly, like what would be an example or two of like what dynamic rendering would actually do? Because I think a lot of people are going to ask the question like, well, why do I need to, to create something different for Google? Why not just let them crawl my site, right? Like, so what yep. is kind of one or two things that will let people kind of really visualize what this is? So I'd say the most famous JavaScript thing that really makes Google, you know, get caught up while crawling is actually chat boxes. So chat boxes, personalization, tracking tags that are dynamic. As soon as they hit JavaScript, they simply can't crawl it with their HTML crawler, and so it goes to a rendering queue. And a rendering queue takes quite a bit more processing time. And a rendering queue is literally the same technology as your Chrome browser. So it's just you know executing a page fully, allowing them to come in and actually crawl that dynamic content. And it takes more processing time. So if you can strip that stuff out in a dynamically rendered version, so for our SEO cloud, for example, if we were to take a customer that's on our product and look at their actual page in the in the SEO cloud or the dynamic rendered versions of the of the page, it almost looks identical, but it's like twenty to forty percent light uh, the size of the previous page. So it's lighter, it's faster, it's flat HTML. It looks very similar, but you are going to see some of the dynamic stuff getting pulled out. So chat boxes and things like that. So it's just a it's really a simplified version that's queued up for them so that when they come and crawl with their HTML crawler, they can literally download the entire site really quickly and don't have to kick, you know, however many pages you have indexed over into this rendering queue, which takes time and processing time and a lot of money on their end. Well, so I think even why they're a fan of it. I, I think the, the other thing that makes a really big impact on SEOs is the fact that it's not only like, you know, a longer processing time, but you can wait weeks before they even visit to render, you know, your site. Like if they, if they mm -hmm. identify that you need a rendering crawl, I've actually dealt with a client that was having a hard time getting content to show up and they had a social platform that was running on pure custom Java. And they were like, yeah. nothing's getting indexed till six months later. And I'm like, yeah, cause you know, you're running pure Java and they don't, they're, yep. they're not even trying for another three to four months, you know? So I think that's, you know, another big point, but what, you know, so th there's obviously some, some basic benefits that would come from dynamic rendering. What, what would be, you know, I mean, there's the clear benefit of like, you, you want to show Google what you want to show Google, but are there any other SEO benefits or like, what are some of the, the other things that, you know, dynamic rendering will do for, for somebody's website that they might not get otherwise? I think your example that you just, that you just made where there's content that's not being indexed and it taking, you know, three to six months for it to get into the index. Like you could have all the content resources in the world, but if Google can't see that actual content, you know, what good is it doing? So we see that a lot. I think companies have bigger indexation issues than they have any idea because it's kind of hard. You see the crawl stats, right? And you're like, oh, they're crawling me. I'm good. And you see that they're downloading information, but you don't really know exactly what they're downloading and how much of it. Are they actually accessing the stuff that you're working on? 
So all those problems just get eliminated. You get almost, you know, instantaneous, all the contents being indexed and, you know, content affects rankings and rankings affect traffic. So you get a huge, you know, pretty significant benefit um, if the site is is pretty heavy in JavaScript or difficult to crawl. All of a sudden, you know, they're going to become privy to all this new information in a very short amount of time. And that's actually going to impact rankings and traffic and all those other good things. Um, I feel like it's really like mobile uh, was like where the conversation with most people when mobile came out was like, you can do all the best content, you can do all the best link building, you can do all the the best SEO in the world. But if you're not included in a mobile search index, because you're not mobile friendly, it doesn't do any good. And it kind of seems like that's the same place that we're at right now, that things have gotten so complicated with crawling that we're at a place where it's like, if you do everything perfect, but you're not crawlable, then it's all for naught. Is, is it that yeah. dramatic? Is you're, it that serious? You're spot on. It's exactly the same. And what's even more shocking is mobile, because of the, the you know impact of page speed and all those things, that's still a huge problem for companies that they think that they're mobile friendly, but their page speed is slow, so slow that they just really can't get any rankings. And, you know, page speed, I don't know how long Google's going to have to, you know, be screaming about page speed for people to listen. But, you know, and everybody is sort of guilty of bad page speed. But it's such a big factor. And it, you're exactly right. This dynamic rendering problem or sort of indexation problem is very similar, where it's like, you can be doing everything you want, but if you don't have the technical side, those sort of boxes checked, good luck. Like, it's just not going to really so, happen. So why do you think, I mean, if it, I've been harping on this for years. You know, there's a lot of experts like yourself. There's, you know, Bartosh. There's, you know, uh, you know Bastion Grimm. There's just a ton of people out there who are talking about this, you know, for, for really for years. Even Martin from Google. There's just a lot of conversation about this, yet... Very few people are really incorporating it or, or really taking mm-hmm. it as, uh, as a key thing. Why do you think the SEO community as a whole has kind of you know, not really embraced this or th- that it's not on every site? Yeah, I find that shocking. But if we just sort of take a step back and we look at marketing departments and their general skill set, like, even SEO groups sometimes aren't the most technical. So if you think of like a marketing organization, whether it's, you know, Salesforce or whoever, their skill set is really not technical SEO. <laughs> like that's the last <laughs> that they're going to get to, right? It's like they don't have developers working on SEO very rarely. Um, and it's it's a very technical problem. So you can throw a tons of tons of resources at content and link building and um, all those sort of uh, more straightforward tasks and not even fully understand or fully recognize the technical problems that you have because you just don't have that skill set on the team. And we see that almost happen everywhere. Like, even if they're working with an agency or whoever, that technical skill set is so rare. Um, Within our little community, it's big, right? But for when you step into a big uh, you know, internal marketing team, you are like, there's just no one there that speaks that language. Like we're educating them on this language. So, uh, I think that's the reason is that it's such a different hat to wear as a marketer getting into technical SEO versus, you know, managing your PPC spend or your content team or branding and messaging, uh, or social. It's just a totally different skill set, and it's usually missing. So I think that's kind of why it hasn't been adopted as quickly as as we would like. So I think a lot of like 
SEOs deal with, and I don't know if it's as bad of a problem as it was in the past, but I think a lot of times you deal with, you know, issues dealing with development teams, right? It's like the marketing team isn't necessarily always connected to the developing team. You know, they're kind of two separate, you know, uh, paths that are working in a company and they have different goals. And a lot of times, you know, developers and designers are like, it functions, you know, that's what our job is, you know, to make it functional. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, they, they don't, and I've had a lot of pushback from people that, you know, um, you know, just don't want to implement something because they just don't get it. Like, it, it, you think that that plays a lot of uh, a big role in, in the inability for people to get it turned on, even if they know they need it. And how would you, how would you suggest somebody that might be listening, you know, who's dealing with that? How how would they convince a developer? Is there certain aspects that they can talk about to a developer that will resonate more with the developer? Is there a way of talking about it that will make them more successful? It's a great question. So. I think about, you know, almost every organization, think about just, you know, the SEOs you talk to and whether they feel empowered or it's a it's a bottleneck getting through development. It's almost always a bottleneck. Um, we, so previous to this, I was the SVP of marketing at Overstock and we had sort of a crazy SEO run. Went from like zero to 300 million in just a few short <laughs> years. And we had like 40 people working on SEO and over half of them were developers. So that was a sort of, organizational like we just realized that you needed developers to change the site in a meaningful way for you really to get rankings and you needed to work on page speed and all these things so we had a laundry list of so many projects that we just started building out you know dev team after dev team and eventually you know it was, it was a pretty massive team but it is it is like an organizational mindset that you have to get in and i for some reason like it was really straightforward for us there Fortunately, I had the CEO, Patrick Byrne, was like, yeah, this is totally makes sense. Just do whatever you got to do. Like, we'll spend whatever we need to spend to grow this because it was just growing so quickly. But that is a rare scenario within yeah. organizations. And so I feel really fortunate to have experienced that. But when I go into other organizations now and we look at what they're doing, it's almost impossible to get some of these things done. So, you know, shameless plug, you can outsource it to Huggabye. Yeah, um, nice. But there it is it's a tough thing to do and even as a cmo like i have lots of friends that are cmos and they're like good luck coming you know prioritizing a, a completely separate version of our site that no user will ever interact with and it's just for google as like a dev priority within my organization yeah it's and just I mean, not yeah and, and that's just you know that's the hardest battle is trying to explain the outcome, right? I mean, I was, you know, I've, I've had two scenarios like this. I worked with a really large, like, a, you know, a fortune company, like really large company um, that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, went out and bought a, um, a cloud-based platform from a company. And I'll avoid getting into all the details on what, what the company was and, and so forth. But it was a completely custom JavaScript. And they were like, we just spent $300,000 on this platform. I'm like, yeah, but it's not indexable. And so my entire contract with them, they didn't want to cancel it, turned into me consulting with the platform to get them to make adjustments to the platform to be indexable. I mean, they didn't have URLs that you could write. It, it was everything was just code URLs. There was no structure. There was no architecture. There was it was custom JavaScript and stuff like that. And that, and that was something where I never won just because they were like, well, we already spent the money on the platform. We're going to ride it out. 
And it was like, okay, uh, I don't know what to do with that, you know. And then I've seen other situations wow. where schema is in the same place. Like a lot of people will harp, harp, harp on schema. And the company's like, okay, well, how is that going to increase our sales? And you're like, well, it's potentially going to do A, B, and C. And they're like, well, what does it actually mean from a number standpoint? So I definitely think that that's a tough thing. And I do think that companies like yours um, are, you know, extremely valuable in this space because we're not even going to go into the conversation of like, you know, light DOM and dark DOM and overwriting with the new rendering and how, you know, not even having JavaScript on your site could still, you know, cause Java problems. Like there's just so many things that are happening like right now that, you know, are extremely difficult for an average SEO or an average person to even understand, let alone implement. And so I think things like these are really becoming solutions where you need a specialty. You know, you need a company that's focused on it and really in the weeds on it. And it sounds like that's what your company is kind of focusing on. Yeah, I'm always blown away about how um, sort of slow CMOs are to adopt like the ROI game when it comes to SEO. <laughs> Um, it's always like the best new customer driver. It's a huge revenue driver. You know, I think of it as like the oxygen of the internet. If you don't get, you know, organic search traffic, you're just screwed. And people still are, they'll spend hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars a month on PPC. And they won't be willing to invest, you know, 10 K a month in their SEO or whatever. And it's just sort of shocking. I just would consider when I was at Overstock, I thought of SEO just like any other channel. It's like, if I can, you know, spend a dollar and get this much back, I'm going to do that. You know, if I find an ATM where I put a dollar and it gives me $2 back, I'm going to use that ATM until I need to fall asleep at night. So yeah, it's a weird channel that they don't invest in. I mean, our, our average customer grows 61% in 12 months. So the ROI on that is just sort of crazy. And these are some big, you know, Salesforce, SAP, some yeah. really big customers. So yeah, it's always a fight. I'm always surprised. The really good CMOs and VPs of marketing get it. They, they're all over. And the other weird thing is like B2B is such a different world than B2C. If you're not doing really good SEO and B2C, you have really no chance of surviving. But with B2B, the margins are so great and you can have sales-driven organizations that can generate enough business that they kind of get to SEO later in their life cycle. Yeah, even though for sure. The financial impact is insane if you, you know, crank up your SEO and inbound leads um, for these major software players. So, yeah, yeah I mean, even in the really last strange. couple of years, even in the last couple of years, I've still had conversation with people where they're like, how do we get our catalog online? Like, I want people to be able to find <laughs> our catalog and read it like a PDF. And then, you know, how do we index the elements of the PDF? You know, it's like, okay. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. One of the, you know, for anybody listening, you know, one of the ways that I think that I've really tried to look at it is I try to look at two elements, right? I try to look at the influence of storytelling, right? There is, you know, storytelling is marketing and how people storytell is how people are marketing and how they are marketed to. And so the value of, of identifying where storytelling is occurring, then you can start to say storytelling is occurring more online. Storytelling is occurring a lot through social and through some of these different channels. And so I always kind of like use storytelling as the baseline of value for mm. things like SEO where you can't necessarily say how much more traffic you're going to get in six months from your efforts today. You can say, you know, we're, we're participating in a place that has a higher level of storytelling. Um, and, I like that. And, and I like so that a lot. That's an angle yeah, like, that I think resonates with people because a lot of times, more, you know, uh, it's weird. More eyeballs on the story, right? Like this is a story that 
that's great and impactful and people are converting. Now let's get more eyeballs on it. And by the way that we do that is we make sure that Google's aware of this story and that they find it compelling and that, you know, even though they're a machine, they can sniff out good content and oh, for sure. stuff. So let's make them, you know, know about this. So, so my question, like, my, my next question would be kind of like, we're, we obviously have established that there's a value in dynamic rendering, but you know, and that, you know, for a lot of people, but do you feel like everybody needs to have dynamic rendering? Like, is there certain, you know, there's always industries in my mind where, you know, maybe it's not the biggest battle to, to win, you know, uh, d does everybody need to fight for this battle and, and win it or, or only certain people? I'd say, you know, by our, you know, when we, when we were looking at potential customers and stuff, I'd say probably 60% of sites out there need it, um, which is a lot. And then there's 40% where it's like, it'd be a nice to have, but it's not going to blow your socks off. Like, you're getting enough. It's a really small site. You know, maybe there's only a hundred pages index, so Google can get through it. The site doesn't change that much. You, you know, there, there's just not as much upside as some of these larger sites that are more complicated. That, you know, really are Google's really struggling to understand them. So there are a good number of sites that don't necessarily need it. Um, everybody could benefit, but you know, what we find is about sixty percent of the internet like really could use this solution which is a large percentage because they have stuff happening on their site that, you know, think about the number of JavaScript things that are included by business owners on their websites without thinking at all about what this does for Google crawling. And yeah, of course, sure. they're, you know, they're going to be like, yeah, we want personalization or we want chat boxes or, and so they just throw it on there. And meanwhile, Google's like, Oh God, why did you do this? It makes our job like impossible. So yeah, it's most of the internet, but we find it right around 60%. Our sponsor for the podcast, Ahrefs, has an awesome set of tools that have become an industry standard for just about every SEO out there. For instance, if you're not getting any real significant search traffic, Ahrefs has tools that can help you find topics worth creating pages or content on. You can easily see the estimated search volumes and gauge traffic potential with their keyword explorer tool, and that can help you create content that would drive more search traffic. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J. And, and we had talked, I briefly talked a little bit, you know, earlier when we were talking, you know, in general, but I'll, I'll mention it here as well, is that, you know, there is definitely a shift. Google is moving, you know, they, they've always had this, like, two-crawl system. We talked about where, you know, having Java in general used to be kind of a no-go because of the delay and in, in, in being indexed was just not ideal, right? And then so um, now we're seeing a lot of conversation um, from Google and a lot of processes where now they're going to a single crawl engine, right? And uh, the Java engine is, you know, supposed to be the like single solution at some point. And so, um, you know, and I'm not super technical on that side. So I don't want to start making statements like it's going to happen now or it's one, you know, but that's, that's my understanding is this is kind of the direction they're going in. And, and, and in that process, they actually said they're going to need more help than ever. 
you know, with yeah. Java. And it's not because of their inability to read it, but it's more that everybody customizes and, and implements Java in different layers and different ways. Um, and, and that becomes the challenge, right? Is that, you know, they're trying to, you know, properly view your website when there's all these technologies going on. And so I guess my question is like, do people, is this something that you see as a need for a long period of time? Is this single crawl going to solve the dynamic rendering kind of requirement or is it only going to make it even more important? So, yeah, what I what I think is going to happen is typically Google is, they work in an additive fashion. So very rarely do they completely eliminate something. So mm-hmm. because their HTML crawler is so much more efficient than like their rendering process, I would have a hard time saying that they're going to just get rid of, like for them to get rid of their HTML crawler is like them getting rid of the importance of backlinks almost. Sure. It would be so hard for them to pull out of their systems. Now, maybe they will, and that would be really interesting if they got there. But I think it's more additive where they're like, we have this rendering process. It's working. It's not the best, and it takes a lot of processing time. So we're going to slowly make it better and better and better, and we're going to try to implement, you know, as they always do, some standards to the Internet that make our life easier. But I think there's always going to be um, a pretty good chunk of the internet that's crawled by their sort of other bots because it's just so much more efficient. Now, I could be totally wrong, but I think that transition is going to take time and it's going to take probably a lot of time. And, you know, they probably wouldn't have made dynamic rendering available if, you know, they had a solution ready and ready to roll. And so I think it's going to kind of I do think it's going to be around for a while. It would be, you know, they, they can move quickly and, and they sometimes do some some really impressive stuff like that. But I think it will take time. But, you know, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, um, well, I, I, I honestly, yeah, and my my honest opinion is I think that, that where we're going is only going to be more complicated. I mean, we're starting to yeah. just go into an era where, you know, complicated layers of data on you know, whether it's an app, a website, a mobile site, whatever, is just getting more and more complicated. And I think that, you know, being able to, you know, present Google with a standard single website that you actually control and you can yeah. kind of, you know, you know, I've, I've seen so many examples of like a site that doesn't even run JavaScript that's been, you know, crawled and all of a sudden they're metas. They've got two metas, you know, they're competing or they have, you know, a switched title tag and, and, and you know, no, no single component in SEO today is like, you know, sink or swim, but it, it all has an impact, you know, and, and, and so I think it's going to be stronger and stronger. But I think, you know, um, knowing that and knowing that this is, is something, you know, that people can do, I think it, I, I'd love to like talk a little bit about what does this mean? I mean, people know what it is to go out and get a backlink. People know what it is to, you know, put a piece of content in a CMS and publish it. Um, we, we talked about what dynamic rendering is, but what does that actually entail for somebody to implement? Well, I think you make a really good point about the future of this conversation between Google and sites getting more complex. Like you look at just structured data and the adoption of structured data, like that's almost a shortcut, right, to be able to communicate what's happening on any given page with you know, just a few kilobytes of information that super accurately describe what's happening on that page. So if you look at the future, you know, will they just get more sophisticated? Do they do they create and build up resources to crawl more complicated sites? 
or do they push to simplify the communication between a website and a, and a search engine? So it could be that that method of communication evolves where it's not just dynamic rendering. You have a way to sort of feed them what they need to be able to do their job. And then you get, are able to do all the complicated front end stuff um, on your own and they just kind of ignore it. So, but even in, two, even in two years, just point. and just to follow up on that, even in two years, you went from schema being four or five lines to being literally hundreds of lines per page now. Um, yep. You know, I mean, yep. anybody out there who's really in the schema space, you realize now it's almost to a point where you can't even do it by hand, you know, and especially when you get into like the Gutenberg style, you know, content creation of the dynamic content fun fundamentals, you know, as, as you kind of transition more and more into where we're taking content from being less of a single web page to being almost like dynamic in a sense, yep. you know, where every element is its own element you start seeing schema. So even in a couple of years time period, we've gone from something super simple to something extremely complicated. And, and even if you do it right, Google's going to give you two or three warnings that you're doing something yeah, wrong. Yeah, you know? sure has ridden that wave. So our first <laughs> product was automated structured data and it was pretty simple at first. And now to have automated structured data across all these sites um, and the way that data now can um, communicate so like through this json format which is the format yeah. that they're really interested the preferred in one yeah yeah it just gets more and more complicated because you can now tie things together and so that's been a wild ride and one that we're really proud to have been on the front lines of but yeah it's um you know what it'll look like and now too with voice search voice search is almost mm -hmm. entirely powered by structured data and you just look at a you know any given query on your mobile device and you can see just how much of the above the fold is being captured by structured data. Yeah, it's going to be kind of wild to see how that all plays out. But yeah, it's just getting more complicated and more technical, which is, um, you know, it's just interesting times. It's evolving super fast. And that's, you know, exciting from our end, because that's what we work on every day. But you, I'm sure it's you guys daunting. still, uh, Huckabee, you guys still provide the, the automated structured data solution or? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Our primary product. I mean, SEO Cloud is only about a year old. So for most, I'd say 60% of our customers are literally just using the structured data product and then the rest are starting, you know, they're all kind of adopting to SEO Cloud. Nice. But yeah, that was um, that was our first product. It was something that we picked up at Overstock, honestly, back in like Very 2010. Cool. This is important. So yeah, you know, my friend, my friend, Jono Anderson, uh, he, he does a lot. Uh, Jono um, does a lot. Uh, uh, Alderson, sorry. Um, he does a ton of work. He works with Yoast and them doing all the, you know, schema implementation. And we were having a conversation about it, you know, even a year ago um, when we were in Germany at SC Oktoberfest. And he was saying, like, look, honestly, at this point, if you, you, you can't hand code, you know, schema effectively. Like, you have to have an automated no. solution. Um, and, and, and so I, I'm, I'm yeah. think, I think that's really cool. I didn't know that that, that was something you guys were you know, had built, you know, you kind of, you know, you know, you know, kind of worked really hard on and had, had accomplished. But I think that's something valuable out there because I don't think there's a lot of people that provide that. And I think that a lot of people don't realize how important that is going forward. Yeah, it moves the needle a lot. That's for yeah. sure. So if you take a site from wherever it is to really good structured data, boy, they get a huge jump. Yeah, I mean, it's it's again, it's like if you're not providing structured data, then just not included anymore it's just it's not about it's not about winning and it's not like about oh do i have a pr4 or do i have a pr6 it's do you have pr at all you know if we were going back to the old <laughs> conversation you know it's just it's very exclusionary it's either you are feeding google what they want or you're not included anymore you know and that's i think one <laughs> yeah. of the big shifts in seo that people kind of 
haven't really come to grips with is that it's not a, a can I do good enough anymore? It's if you don't do it, you're not there, period. Um, and, and yeah. I think that that's really. also potentially going to be where, you know, dynamic rendering goes, you know, as well, you know, you know, I just don't know many people that don't recommend it, you know, as you know, pretty hands down. And, and again, we were, I was asking that question. So maybe it'd be good to go ahead and cover that. Like, what does it look like to implement, you know, dynamic rendering? Is this something where you're building a whole nother site? Or is it something like schema where you're putting a couple pieces of code on there? Um, you know, obviously, um, I think solutions like yours probably have something to make it a lot easier for people. But if you could answer in two parts, like kind of like, what is it like if you're really just trying to do it on your own from, you know, mm -hmm. the person who's like, I'm going to, I have a developer, I'm going to do this myself versus what does it look like from a company like yours that's able to kind of, you know, help with that solution? Sure. So the first piece, how to do it on your own. Um, the crux of dynamic rendering is really, the conversion of your dynamic content into flat HTML. So if you can do that, that's sort of the technical challenge is to be able to do that. So if you have content being generated through JavaScript, that is important for your rankings and you want Google to be aware of it. Being able to convert that into flat HTML and leveraging some sort of CDN, like a Cloudflare or CloudFront mm -hmm. or Akamai or whoever, to be able to basically load that information up really quickly and eliminate literally all the JavaScript on the page, that's how you kind of have to go. And it's doable for sure. You, we actually see some companies doing it in-house. It's kind of hard to do in-house, but we see it happening. Um, and then the second piece, so for, for us, uh, we think the automation of that is a really s slick way to do it. So the fact we've built that converter so all you have to do, like we don't actually have to have any developer look at your site. They don't have to you know, log in and do a bunch of work. You literally make a DNS change, um, and then Huckabye takes over the, the bot traffic, and we create this, this dynamic rendered version through SEO Cloud. That's flat HTML. We have a partnership with Cloudflare that allows us to keep all this information at edge. Um, you mm -hmm. kind of hear that term yep. now being used, at edge SEO. So it's at edge basically means it's pre-cached and located all around the world in 200 different locations so that no matter where a bot's coming in from, they get this really lightweight and cached, meaning it's, you know average sort of page speed is between 100 and 300 milliseconds. Has the full structured data all baked in, all the contents there. You know, we, we talk a lot about like what's Google's perfect world and what do they want. And that's really what SEO Cloud is built to do is just provide them exactly what they're looking for. And so, yeah, it's just a DNS change. It's just pretty straightforward. Um, if you're already on Cloudflare, it's just an API token. So it's a, it's a quick, quick switch over. And usually, you know, you're live within five to seven days and rocking and rolling. So pretty, I don't know about the other solutions, but that's how ours works. And, um, you know, it checks sort of a big box versus trying to knock it off in house. But, um, you can do it. You just it's the, the tricky part is the conversion of HTML or the conversion. I'm sorry of JavaScript content to HTML. That's sort of the technical challenge. Yeah, you can do a lot of things yourself. I can do my own taxes, and I can uh, probably <laughs> diagnose my own, you know, injuries. But uh, I'm not going to put put myself in that position. So yeah, I definitely think that that's really cool, and I think that that's you know especially. Like uh, the conversations I've heard about dynamic rendering, the problems is just implementing it right, right? It's like things change on a regular basis. You know, APIs mm -hmm. change and, and, and a solution that you create 
has to be maintained. And that's, you know, we've talked a lot internally, my, my company as well, you know, um, about, you know, creating tools. And a lot of times we get to a point where we're like, yeah, but it's not the creating the tool, it's the maintaining it. It's like we have to maintain yeah. every change all the time, real time. And that, that puts us, you know, in a position, you know. And so I definitely feel like um, I've, I've kind of started using solutions more often than creating things myself just because I, I need somebody who's paying attention to the, the changes and, and making the updates to make sure that I don't fall off all of a sudden, you know, um, you know yeah. two years down the road. So There's a lot of benefit to what we call the network effect you know having 65 plus customers that we're maintaining across um all of them both the dynamic rendering and the structured data product makes sure that we're always you're right they change stuff a lot especially right now around structured data so stuff can break and that's why you know we really lean on our like huckabye's network effect of being able to gather information about how google's interacting with these sites across a massive customer base and then you get the benefit of every single fix we make for whoever the customer is. All the customers get that benefit. Now, and we catch it you know, within 24 hours. Now, somebody who implements this, whether they do it themselves or whether they do it uh, through Huckabee or any other service that they decide to choose, um, we don't try to pick winners. You know, we're just trying to you know, talk yeah. about these conversations and give people some, some opportunities to kind of find solutions. That's at the end of the day, what matters is people are able to solve their problems and make money and, and have success, right? Um, For sure. And, and so with everything that people do in marketing, the, the first question you always get is, well, how do I know it's working? Like, how do I know it was worth it? How do I know? Like, what, what, what should people expect from making a change like this? I mean, if you go out and build a bunch of high-quality links, you expect to see, you know, higher rankings, right? If you create really good content that's sticky, you expect to see. From dynamic rendering, what can people expect? What's reasonable? What, what you know, is it, what can they kind of expect as far as measuring whether they should continue to do it or whether it was a good choice or, and, and report to their higher-ups and so forth? So the first thing that moves is the crawl stats. So you'll see um, Google kind of come in hot and heavy pretty quickly once they realize they can crawl through the site so fast. So your crawl stats are first thing that's going to start to move. And then you'll probably see um, you start ranking for new keywords because you're, you're, you're getting more content indexed. And all of a sudden, the site's getting associated with, you know, more mid detail terms. Um, as that happens, you know, you'll start to get more impressions as those links start to pop up in the top 10. You start, hopefully, you know, you have good structured data and you're going to start capturing some rich cards. And then ultimately what we care about is clicks and, tra and traffic, um, which generates revenue. But that's kind of how it plays out is the crawl stats are the first to move. Then you'll start, if you use a tool like AREFs or whatever, you start to see that you start ranking for new keywords, mid-detail terms that are great non-branded keywords. And then ultimately, uh, at the end of the day, you're going to start getting additional traffic and revenue. That's kind of how we see it play out. So uh, there's normally typically some, some examples of, people that are kind of doing this right or wrong do you know any like existing examples out there of people that have or, or even case studies that people could kind of look at that kind of point out like sites that have you know failed to do this properly and and, and has led to like certain you know detriments to their rankings or anything is there any examples of you know you know not doing dynamic rendering and causing problems that you you, you know offhand or <laughs> there's a lot of examples of people not doing dynamic rendering with lots and lots of JavaScript 
um, and resulting in, in stuff not getting indexed. I think SAP is a great example of that. They had a they had a page on SAP.com with over 100 JavaScript tags, which made it almost impossible for Google to ever crawl it. The other thing to just keep in mind with the rendering process is it usually has about a five-second timeout. So if wow. the page speed is, and they use, you know, Lighthouse uses a really slow connection speed. So you might think that you're under five seconds, but in fact, you know, you're at 11 or 12. So they just leave after that amount of time, meaning they, whether, you know, they're not going to render it at all. So that presents a lot of problems. So we see a lot of companies with that situation. Um, I haven't seen a company try to do dynamic rendering and screw it up. That just like kind of completely ruins their index. I haven't seen that happen yet, but it probably has. I just am not um, out there actively looking for it. What I think I've um, seen, what I've seen in examples of people not implementing it right is just it not working. You know, it's just it, right. still passing JavaScript, you know, through to the, the bot. Right. Yeah. That that does happen, and you know, there's really nothing lost there because that's just what they were experiencing previously. It's yeah, just like right. they've built, just put the time and money into something that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They've just put a lot of money into something that doesn't work. So, um, yeah, that happens. It's a it's a handshake, right? It's done right at the at the server side, identifying you know this is a Google bot and come visit this version of the site. I'm not a developer. Um, our CTO would be better at answering like just how it works and where yeah. it goes wrong. Um, but I know it's complicated. I can say that much. And, <laughs> For yeah, sure. you gotta, you, you've got to get it right. So uh, this is, you know, really interesting. Uh, personally, this is one of those topics I think is really important for the future. And I don't think, you know, people have really given enough, you know, thought to and kind of really started looking at solutions or implementing and, and so forth uh, or baking into their kind of development as they go forward. So I definitely see this as something that's going to continue to be a topic that people are going to be interested in. Um, Jeff, where can people find you online? Where can they find you? How can they continue this conversation? I mean, where, where, where are you at? Where are you blogging? Where can they contact you? So the best way to contact me is just on Huckabye.com. It's like uh, Huckabye, like buy a product. And you fill out a contact us form, say that you listen to this podcast and want to learn more. And we just make sure that your guests are really well taken care of. There's no like we're not going to push. We're not going to be salesy. We're just open to having conversations. So that's kind of the easiest way. I am trying to pick up my Twitter activity. I've been somewhat of a recluse in terms of being a CEO that um, hasn't been out there in the media all that much, but that's sort of changing now. So if you follow me on Twitter, it's a great way just to communicate and sort of get hot takes or whatever you want. Um, but those are kind of the easiest way LinkedIn. I mean, I'm really available. So it's just Jeff with a G by the way, G E O F F and, uh, Atkinson. And if you reach out and say, Hey, I listened, uh, to Brent's, uh, podcast and I want to learn more or just have a conversation. I'll absolutely take your you're really uh, awesome audience. Uh, beautiful. I'll take beautiful. them up on that. Perfect. Yeah. All right, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. I, I, I agree, really appreciate kind of the time that you've spent kind of detailing this. I know that we kind of digressed into a couple of random conversations, but I think it was fun. Um, and I think that, you know, it really kind of paints a picture of like how important this is for the kind of, you know, the ever changing, uh, you know, both rendering and also, you know, crawling process. So thanks a lot for coming on the show, sharing this information and uh, appreciate your time. Thank you, Brent. That was awesome. Really appreciate you having me on. Cheers.